Thank you very much. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here in this wonderful place, uh, this wonderful weekend. I'm not going to talk about physics. I'm going to talk about uh, some matters that interest me intensely now, two connected things, a study and a project. The study is an interest that I've had for a number of years. I work in the public domain and, and have over many years in a number of public controversies. The study concerns where we human beings, this generation, the ones to come, are going with respect to the pressures and injury on the environment and the uh, spiraling population, which over the next 50 years is slated roughly to double. The project with colleagues in the scientific community and elsewhere through the world is to reach out and to do something about this damage uh, to uh, help spread understanding, recommendations, uh, and set some kind of path to move us away from what may otherwise occur in our future, and which in some small ways is starting already. Doing something about the great course of human affairs is not a trivial objective. And it's quite possible that uh, I and my colleagues are overreaching a little bit. People do occasionally, perhaps even frequently, pick out objectives that are unachievable. I remember seeing a bumper sticker in Cambridge a year or two ago. It said in stark, bold letters, U.S. out of North America. <laughs> now, whatever the merits of that case are, pro or con, I won't argue them but it did seem uniquely unachievable. Part of the program and the project that I'm involved in with colleagues in the Union of Concerned Scientists, a public interest group that I and others helped found uh, over 20 years ago, uh, part of this current project came to fruition last October uh, when we released a document which was modestly entitled World Scientists Warning to Humanity. And I, I uh, am not going to read it or go over it in detail. It's a longish document. However, I'm going to talk about some of the issues in it. If, those, if any of you would like to have a copy, just give me a piece of paper with your name and address, and I will get one sent to you. What it contains, and I will read the first part of it, is this. Human beings and the natural world are on a collision course. Human activities inflict harsh and often irreversible damage on the environment and on critical resources. If not checked, many of our current practices put at serious risk the future that we wish for human society and the plant and animal kingdoms, and may so alter the living world that it will be unable to sustain life in the manner that we know. That document was signed by an astonishing group of the senior scientists in the world including a majority of the living Nobel laureates in the sciences, the heads of uh, almost two dozen professional and honorary societies, including the Royal Society in Great Britain, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, and, and an astonishing degree of support from the third world, from third world experts, Africa, head of the Chinese Academy, and so forth. What this document says is that there are a cluster of human activities being carried out on a huge scale so that now the human race constitutes a major global biological and geophysical force 
And we have already affected the global atmosphere, the seas, marine environment, the fisheries. We are deforesting uh, the tropical rainforests and tropical dry forests and temperate forests. The tropical forests will be gone at the end of next century unless this is halted. And with them, an astonishing loss of the species that so uh, enrich our present world. These, I think, are all known to you, at least in some measure, greenhouse, ozone, deforestation, species loss, biodiversity. I want to talk about one which is not so well known, and that is pressures on the agricultural system and on food production, obviously of the most critical importance. Widespread and injurious agricultural practices throughout the world that involve irrigation, erosion, uh, and numerous things which I do not have time to go into are decreasing productivity. We are now running out of potentially arable land for food. Over the last 50 years, food production has been going up almost exactly linearly, and the population has been going up in an increasing curve like that. The per capita food production has gone up, leveled out, and has started down. And today, food production is increasing at only two-thirds the rate at which the population is expanding. This cannot continue. We are now approaching the limits of the world's capacity to sustain us. There is a real question whether we can feed the people that are coming. And if we are able to do that, it is possible. But unless we change our, our practices, it will not be achievable. Uh, and we will have the greatest difficulty expanding food beyond the rate of population growth in order to give an increasing fraction of the world, the kind of well-being, uh, improved nutrition, uh, and better economic circumstances that will allow fertility to come down in a natural and a humane way. The warning sets out an urgent need that we must control environmentally damaging activities at, on a much more a much broader and more powerful scale than we are now doing. We have to go back and repair much of the damage, particularly to the agricultural system. This is a, these troubles are occurring both in industrial nations like the United States and elsewhere, and we must stabilize population growth. A consequence of not moving ahead on this will be the increasing production of environmental and economic refugees, which are already starting to sweep into Europe and to some extent into the United States. It is not well known that these migrations have the capacity inadvertently to do great damage to the industrial democracies. Uh, and they uh, have to be dealt with in decent ways. A great movement is needed, more than is going on now, to deal with this cluster, this great cluster of problems which faces us. The environmental movement, can it do it? It is a great force, and it has had great effect already, and it is continuing to grow. But it is, if you look at the environmental movement, here comes some of it right now. You will, you will notice that the environmental movement has been able to be a political force on that 
narrow set of issues which has already developed injury to the, body, to the uh, environment which is felt by people. When people feel injury, the environmental movement can guide corrective action, and that has happened and it's been very successful. We cannot reverse it. But it does not yet deal satisfactorily with problems which are coming down the pike, and these are coming very fast. Can science and technology save us? Some magic bullet, uh, some wondrous thing from the laboratory? I do not think so. I believe, and this is implicit in the warning statement, it is implicit in other statements, that science and technology themselves will not do that. That these problems at root are deeply human problems, and they have to be dealt with by us in that context. We have to start a greater movement, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many senior scientists in the world. We have to reach out with the message that we have not treated the world carefully and properly enough that we are not on a sustainable path, that things are headed down. Among other matters, the industrial nations have a great responsibility and need to reach out to the third world, to, industrial, uh, to the non-industrialized developing countries, particularly to the women in those countries, too, with education, uh, with technical support, uh, with help, uh, in reproductive matters, uh, it turns out, not to anybody's great surprise, that in many of those nations, women do not like to bear six, nine, 12, sometimes 15 children in poverty with malnutrition, a constant companion, and starvation in the wings. This reaching out is not just a matter of equity and some responsibility we have, although it is that but it is also a matter of deep self-interest to the industrial nations because of the damage that I mentioned, which could be visited on us. These uh, migrations stimulate a vicious racism, which has already appeared in the European countries and shows some signs of appearing here. The prospects are not all dismal. There is a bright side, in my view. Because we have choices ahead of us that we can make, the future is not for preordained. The future is, to some considerable extent, discretionary. If we do nothing, if business as usual pertains, if we do not halt the injury to crucial global systems, and if we do not stabilize population, particularly stabilize population, then that will be done for us by nature, by natural processes. And it will be done whether we wish it or not. And it will be accomplished brutally and without pity. If that occurs, we will leave a ravaged world for our descendants, which will be considered a criminal act. If we move successfully on this broad program that I'm outlining, we can have for ourselves and for future generations that increasingly decent and humane world that we wish for ourselves and for successive generations. I'd like to close, particularly with a message to the young people who have taken their time to come to this lovely place. Quite a number of years ago, one of the leaders 
who opened up the American environmental movement, David Brower. In speaking of these injurious activities, which have caused so much damage to our environment, he spoke of that as stealing from our children. Things have not gotten better in the many years since he made that observation. And the children he was then talking about were in the future. But these problems are now so close that to some considerable extent, you are the children that earlier generations have been stealing from. And it is my group who must help start and whose authority and skills can launch the understanding and the nature of the remedies uh, that are so badly needed. But it is you folks who must carry this on so we have the humane future that is, is really needed. The United States has been a great leader in many areas. The environmental movement really started in the United States, and it has been catching. It has swept across the other industrial nations. It is making its way into many, many third world nations. It is now part of our bones. The women's movement started here, and we have had others of that kind. And this is a good place for us to start a larger one. The U.S. should be out in front. There is a saying among the dog sled drivers in Alaska, the only place to be on a dog sled team is to be the lead dog. None of the other dogs have a change of view. And we can do that, and that is what I am now spending my time on. I'm leaving physics, which was my chosen profession, to work on this, and have begun the, it's starting to be successful, uh, raising of $700,000 to start, used to raise several million, hopefully to move to several tens of million. But in this great movement, I and my colleagues can only do a little bit, as I've noted. We have to reach out to leaders, religious leaders, leaders in business. That is the community that has their hand on the throttle. We have to reach out to military leaders to learn how to abate the of violence and destruction and misuse of resources, over a trillion dollars now spent annually on preparations for war and for conflict. We have to put, uh, bring in the entertainment industry, which has done wonderful things, but whose potential is not fully realized in communicating these needs. We have to bring in writers and poets, particularly the poets, whose deep understanding and ways of broadly and wonderfully expressing these things goes far beyond what, for example, can be done by a mere physicist. And with that, I would hope we could look forward to a wonderful future. Thank you very much. <laughs>